Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This series contains discussions of themes that might be distressing for some listeners. It's like a nightmare. Even living in Gaul is like a nightmare. There's so many memories on that, you know. I close my eyes at night and I still see them, you know. Sometimes I do think he's still there, but he's not. It's the reality of it all. And what do you want to happen? Oh, I want someone to listen. Yeah. The Boy in the Water is a newsroom.co.nz production. Mysterious circumstances, improbable theories, a debacle of a police investigation, and a small town on edge. What really happened to little Lockie Jones? Kia ora, I'm Melanie Reid, Newsroom's Investigations Editor. Welcome to the eighth episode of our podcast, The Boy in the Water, Grief and Secrets. the Gorse Cemetery out at Chelton Park here and we're going to go and take Lockie his birthday cake for his birthday. Oh there's Paul and he's got Kevin and Verna. Yep. Lockie would have been turning eight. Yes he would have today. Big boy. Hello, Vernon and Kevin. How are you, lovely ladies? Good, thank you. It's lovely to see nice you, love. Nice to see you. Mm-hmm. Nice to see you too. You look very nice, you two. 
Hi Paul. Hi. How are you? Lockie's grave is at the end of a row, on the top of a hill with a large hedge behind it. It's a nice spot. For his birthday, Werner has made a floral arrangement in the back of a toy dump truck. It adds to all the other things that decorate his gravesite. Windmills, a blue teddy bear, large lollipops. They've planted a tree for him too. On his headstone there's a photo of him with the words Always my sunshine curved around it. We're going to sing happy birthday? Yeah. Yeah. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Lockie. Happy birthday to you. Hooray! 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 Hooray. i blow out the candles, Paul. Should you do this every year, Paul? Mm-hmm. Come up here. Mm-hmm. I'm going to interview you now that you've just taken a great big bite of that chocolate cake. Mud cake. Got to do, do it every year. I'm worse than him. Got to do it every year. Mm. It's a bit sad, though, isn't it? It's terrible. That you're having a birthday party with a headstone. Well, it's not natural. It's not something you'd wish on any parent. Well, we've done it every year, though, haven't we? Yeah. It's not the first time, won't be the last either. No. When did you get the headstone made for? For uh, his sixth birthday. Yeah. Been up here for two years. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, me and Karen organised it and got a photo on that. Yeah, they were good, weren't they? They were good, but that was one of the hardest mm. days to go through because you're in a funeral home and you're choosing a child's headstone and it really hits your heart. Mm. And like Paul said, it'll be the last present he ever buys this little boy. Mm. So we made sure it was special. That's a one-off. It does look a little bit more spectacular than all the other ones. Mm. You've got um, lollipops and... Lucky lollipop. Such a colourful sight, isn't it? We miss him because he used to come out here and feed the lambs and uh, run around the outside with the sheep and now it's all gone. Out here in your lifestyle block. Out here in the lifestyle block. I've come to see Paul's father, Graham Jones, on the outskirts of Invercargill. Paul's mother, Lynn, died of cancer when he was in his late 20s. His dad's got a few acres in behind the Ascot Park Racecourse. Graham owns five racehorses with his now partner, Karen Skinner. There's a line of framed photographs of Lockie on the windowsill in the living room. He used to come here and we used to make him up meals, mashed potatoes, gravy and, and all that stuff and he would get on my knee and I'd feed him and he'd eat every bit of it up. Every bit of it. And he always just used to say that he liked our meals. Yeah. But, uh, no, he's a great wee boy. Yeah. Yeah, very sad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I can't believe it. Yeah. 
every time I look at that photo. And I look at it every morning when I get up. And he's gone. Yeah. Must be hard. It's bloody hard, all right. Don't worry about that. There he goes up there, sitting up there watching us. That's right. You've got almost a shrine for him. Mm. And we're, we're still trying to find out what happened to him. Yeah. And it's had a terrible effect on Paul, hasn't it? Of course it has, you know. And he always thought he could never have a child. And the night he rang me up and told me that he was gonna, I was going to be a granddad, I was just so relieved, just so pleased. Because out of all my children, Paul would have more love for the children than any of the other ones. You know, he worshipped that boy. He worshipped him. Yeah. Yeah, he really worshipped him. Breaks your heart. Breaks your heart, yeah. Yeah. So it must have been like, you know, almost like it wasn't real that night. Oh, that's right. It was just like a, a nightmare, really. It was just like a nightmare, yeah. I went back out the following night where they found him, and uh, it was as rough and stones and thistles, and, you know, and even my partner came out with, up with me and... Everybody's just saying that no, no way he walked out here. It was just unbelievable. It was so far. The night after Paul's, this happened. I drove up to Gore and I drove to the police station and I wanted to talk to the person that was in charge. I asked her, asked them, was she there? And they said, no, she wasn't. You wanted to talk to Cynthia Fairley? That was the person. And... They said she wasn't there, so I said, could you get her to ring me? From this day onwards, she has never, ever rang me. Never. She's the head cop in Goa. Yeah, yeah. well. And she's never phoned you? She never phoned me once, yeah. Senior Sergeant Cynthia Fairley is a controversial figure in Gore policing. She was sub-area commander for the Eastern Southland region, headquartered in Gore. Following Lockie's death, she conducted interviews with Lockie's mother and his two half-brothers. There are now questions over the timing and omissions in these interviews. Fairley has also been involved in disputes with a number of officers on her staff. One of those is Wayne McClelland. Hello, doggy. When I go to see him at his home in Central Gore, it's pouring. Hi. G'day. Wayne. How, How are you? Good. Come on in. Thank you. Wayne McClelland was a police officer for more than 11 years. Ten of those in Gore. Pretty wet. Good southern day anyway. It sure is. Well, thanks a lot for seeing me. No worries. Do you want a warm cuppa or...? Yeah, that'll be good actually. He left the force in 2020 burnt out. He's not shy to admit he had major issues with the officer in charge, Senior Sergeant Cynthia Fairley. So how would you describe in a nutshell uh, working under Cynthia Fairley? Um, oh, how would you describe it? I hated it. Like, um, 
Hate's a very strong word. Yep. And, um, like, for me, it caused huge amounts of stress, um, getting burnt out. I end up started losing my bloody hair up here. Did she break you? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'll say that. Yeah. Did you leave the police because of her? Yes. I got asked that at my leaving do. One of the one of the sergeants from Invercargill said, if it wasn't for her, would you still be here? And I says, definitely. Would she say you're just a disaffected cop? Yeah, she probably would. And are you? No. I think there's a lot that people have, her shit that people have put up with over the years, um, and people were bored with, with trying to bring it to the attention of the association and the police hierarchy, like the police hierarchy don't want a, a bar of it. During the course of this investigation, Cynthia Fairley's name has come up repeatedly. We've talked to current police and a number of ex-police, some high-ranking, most on the condition it's off the record. And there's a common theme, criticising some aspects of her policing and management style. My beef is how she can continue to go on like that and treat staff the way she does. Like, I mean, yep, I had, I had my parts where I bit back at her because oof, I was stressed out, I was losing my hair, I was, you know, I ended up having about two months sick leave, I think it was, because I was just, I just had a gutful. You were rinsed. I was, I was done, you know, and uh, it sucked because I absolutely loved the job, you know. But you would say that she caused that? Yep. 100%? Yep. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. What we also know is that Cynthia Fairley and two of her colleagues from the area were involved in a serious case of bullying. The details remain secret and undisclosed, 
But we can tell you it was long, involved police headquarters, ended up at a very senior level and resulted in significant reparations. Back now though to Wayne McClelland. He was working at the Gore police station at the time Lockie died, although he was not involved in Lockie's case. Usually there's talk in the station about, especially about something something like that, but there was there was none of that. There were, it was almost like it was taboo to to even mention it in the station. So no one talked about it. No, no one talked about it. But and how unusual was that? Oh, very unusual, very unusual. At the police station, there's a bar, and at the end of the week, police would often get together for a drink. So I'd work a long week and finish at roughly five o'clock on a Friday. So I'd be sitting upstairs having a beer and one of the other detectives that was working on the on the case, I was having a yarn to them. And um, they come in and they were like, they were just frustrated at everything. And this person never usually, would, would never say anything bad about anyone, would never... Um, would never shit on anyone. Um, but on this occasion, like I asked, how's that Lockie file going? And they said that Cynthia is controlling it. Usually it would be normally your case like that handled by the CIB would be um, controlled by your detective sergeant at Gore, but they answer to Invercargill. Um, but as a um, courtesy, they would let the area manager, the eastern area manager. So just for the listeners, Cynthia Feely is the area manager. For eastern Southland, being Gore, Wyndham, Matara, Riversdale, Tapanui. So she wouldn't normally be involved? No, not, not, acti- not actively involved in a file like that. She, she is just sitting there running the station. Yeah, so it would be like a CEO of, say, Fiordland Travel or something driving the boats. You just, yeah. you, don't, you don't go and drive the boats? No, sort of no. Okay. Um, although, like, she is a qualified D sergeant, um, still she wouldn't be involved in it because that's not, her, that's not her role. That's why they have a detective sergeant in that position. Um, and they would let her know out of courtesy, this is where we're at, this is what we're doing. This is what I require. So basically the chain of command, so that I've got it clear, goes from the detectives in Gore. Yep. So the detectives in, in Gore, they report back to the detective sergeant in, in Gore. And then that detective sergeant, he directly answers to the detective senior sergeant in Invercargill. Um, they would answer directly to them. And they would, if, if they required extra... Um, detectives on a case, they would call them from Invercargill. Right. So the area manager, Cynthia Feely, is not really in the scene, generally speaking, apart no. from just being no. advised out of courtesy. Yeah. yeah. When you said the detective in the police bar that Friday said, look, Cynthia Feely's all over it. Yeah. She's controlling it. What was your reaction? Well, my reaction was, 
why has she got anything to do with it? It's got nothing to do with her and it should be controlled by you guys being the detectives and the, the CIB in Gore and Invercargill. Um, they said to me, well, you know what she's like. She's that controlling and no one wants to butt heads with her. Um, that person also raised concerns that there were people that needed to be spoken to that weren't spoken to because Cynthia turned around and just says, no, they're not relevant to the investigation. It would seem like she was directing it in the in a direction she wanted it to go. And what would that direction be? I don't know. I mean, it could be that she wants a quick resolution for them um, and like, that there's nothing, nothing sinister at all about it. All she wants is closure, etc., straight away for the family. Um, so the problem with it is that a lot of people critical to this case weren't interviewed for a month or so after Lockie was found. Yeah, and that's that's an issue straight away. So you want to you want to try and interview people as soon as possible because it's still fresh in their mind. If you go and interview them later... A month later in some cases. Yes. That's when your brain starts to fill in gaps. So what's the take inside the police on this case? We've heard about the head cop in town, Cynthia Feely. Yep. Let's just put it this way. She's got out from behind her desk... Yep. to actually oversee this investigation of a child who's supposedly drowned in the oxidation ponds. But there hasn't been all the basic policing that should have been done, hasn't been done. No. So it comes down to the decisions that were made there and then. Who was a supervisor at the time? And how did Cynthia end up getting involved in it? But when you find a child in a council pond and the mum's rung up and said that he's missing, it, you know, on the face of it, it looks like a drowning. Mm. So would it be reasonable it to go, look, hey, this is a drowning, we don't need to call everyone in? It's still, it's still a death that's, that's above... Um, an old person that's got a history of heart disease and has died of a heart attack in their bed, you know? And the least that should have been done, according to Wayne McClelland and so many others, is that the scene should have been secured. If you've got a dog there, you'd cast the dog around. You'd have, you won't have people running willy-nilly. You'd cast the dog around to try and detect what direction the person or the child had come from. Yeah, well, they only picked a scent up 14 metres from where he was found, so they didn't have his scent before that. You know, if you listen to the police scenario, he's walked away from home, he's walked all the way, he's climbed over a cyclone gate or a wooden fence here, he's gone up onto the... Embankment. Embankment here, and he's walked all the way along here. But has right? he? Like, well, that's the other, what the, the police other, are saying. The other thing is, is that you can't be, you can't be, like, they can't be certain that he's jumped over the fence and gone that way, you know? 
because he could have Gone come up this paddocks. way or someone could have brought him up through the paddocks and put him there. So there's a whole lot of scenarios about what could have happened, obviously. Yeah. Like, you've, you've got lines of inquiry, so you follow up on them because things are never as, as, as they may seem. Like, but you've got to, you've got to get rid of that. Elimination process. El- elimination. You've got to get rid of that scepticism as well. Like people, people sit there and go, oh, but what about this? And it's like, well, actually, um, we went and visited this person and they saw um, this, this, this and this, which matches up with person X over here who saw this, this, this and this. So, you know, that negates that sort of theory. And, oh, okay, okay, rightio. So, you know, by not following those lines of inquiry, you do open up a whole can of worms of what could have been, what could... I don't, can I say it's a hell of a can of worms now, isn't it? Shit, yeah, yeah. It's the old big can of what is in it. The only thing I can, the only thing I can think of is that, okay, they've made their mind up straight away that it's a drowning. Um, and let's just, let's just bear it, okay? So he's died, he's, he's walked, he's died in the ponds, done. We put a long list of questions to Cynthia Fairley via the Police Communications Department, but they didn't respond. When we followed up, they said they intended travelling to Southland to talk with senior police about the matter. So hopefully we'll get a response soon. But coming up in the next episode... We've engaged an international forensic detective now. We're not, we're not mucking around anymore. Remember this... We're bringing the big guns to the fight. No more knives. So here is that big gun, the retired US forensic detective. Why was this not treated as a homicide until proven otherwise from the start? That is something you learn in Crime Scene 101. She's already spent 400 hours on the case. You do everything that you can in your power to find the truth, to find the answers. That's that's why I'm here. Whether Gore's ready or not, here she comes. Do you think you know what happened? Yes. For more journalism that matters, including our award-winning true crime series and podcast, Peter Alice, The Crash Case and Me, head to newsroom.co.nz or your favourite podcast app. If you like what you're hearing, please subscribe, rate and review our series. It helps new listeners find us. You can also follow our social media pages by searching Melanie Reed Investigates. This series is written and produced by me, Melanie Reed, along with Bonnie Sumner and Judith Curran. It's edited by Paul Entercott. Original music by H. Pryor. You're listening to The Boy in the Water, public interest journalism funded through Aotearoa New Zealand on air.